Hey, my friends, what is going on? This is MFA Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, The Zim. Check it out, yo. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me and um, Kara. Did I say that right? Kara, yeah. I did. <laughs> I said it right. I had to check my notes. We go over it at the beginning uh, somewhere about how to pronounce the name correctly. But before we talk with Kara... I uh, will, I have some, I don't know, uh, some things to say. I give myself five minutes to ramble about whatever I feel like at the beginning of all these podcasts. So, you know, strap in, (laughs) strap in for the next five minutes. You're going to get to hear me. I know you're probably thinking, man, I'm just here to hear Kara. I don't want to care. Who's Zim? Who's that guy? I don't want to hear that guy. I don't care about that guy. I want to hear Kara. Well, Skip ahead. You can totally skip ahead. Do it. But if you do decide to stick around, thanks. I hope you decide to stick around. Not only do I hope you decide to stick around, but I hope you decide to say, this podcast is awesome. Let me subscribe and listen to more of them when they come out. (laughs) Wherever you're listening to your podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a bunch of other places. Do it up. Check it out, yo. Um, So how are you hanging in there? Are you hanging in there? I hope you're being you're uh, being being and staying safe and healthy during this pandemic that we're dealing with. I don't know, it's crazy. I'm like, I'm feeling it a little bit. I was doing pretty good at the beginning last March. I was like, yeah, no big deal, whatever. But I'm just like, it's weird now. It's just straight up weird. I have, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. I just do podcasts and make my art for school, and that's about it. Play some video games. And drink tea I don't know I get to go I'm going this weekend I'm going to my kids house and we're going to do a we've been doing these social distancing get togethers sometimes not very often not often enough I'm gonna try to do it every weekend now but they used to come to my house every other week but once the pandemic hit it it just messed everything up so I've been just dealing with that it's really rough to be honest it sucks not being able to see my kids, not feeling like, honestly, it feels like I'm missing out. You know, I, we, me and my son talk pretty often, m- multiple times a week. We do FaceTime. We play games together online and FaceTime while we're doing it, things like that. But my daughter, I don't, she's a little more introverted and just kind of keeps to herself. So I talk to her maybe once a week if I'm lucky. Um, but yeah, it's just rough. It sucks. I hate it. And I don't know what to do about it, to be honest, because, you know, I live with my mom who's 70 or my mom lives with me got to phrase it that way and there's just i'm not willing to take a risk of somebody getting sick and having to go to the hospital you know i don't want to deal with that i don't want to go i mean you know i'm not a young chicken either so but anyways i didn't you know this this five minutes i never know where it's going to go i had no plans at all to talk about that specifically are you watching the uh the are you keeping up on the um impeachment trial (laughs) i am that's been consuming a lot of my time these days i really hope that that guy gets uh um what's the word um convicted because uh it's just terrible i don't understand why seems like republicans just don't have how can you not put the pieces together the most powerful person in the on the planet you know is constantly spewing rhetoric of divisiveness and just just bad rhetoric about like of 
you know, anger and, and just, just promoting violence and promoting just, just what he's been promoting. And you, you don't, he's like, Oh, well, I didn't, I couldn't see this coming. This is, Oh, he wasn't the reason. It's like, dude, he's an influential person. He's the president of the United States. He has influence over weaker minds. And obviously there was a lot of weaker minds that went to this rally or not. Yeah. This rally that turned into a riot that turned into an insurrection. Jeez. I don't know. I just, I have, I have a really hard time. When did, when did facts become liberal? Like what, what is that? When did like factual information become liberal? That does, I don't, I don't get it. Anyways, make sure you're voting, make sure you're donating. I have links in the description of this podcast to places to vote and, or, you know, register to vote and then to donate to communities that need support. So check it out in the description of the podcast. All right. That's enough of my rambling. Now you get a sense of me. Let's get on this conversation with Kara. Kara. I did it. See, I did it right there. <laughs> Kara. All right, cool. Kara, here we are. All right. Now we're back. We're doing it. Now say, do a little mic check for me. Mic check. Hey, hello. <laughs> there we are. Kara is with us. So as I was just about to ask you, or was starting to ask you, how are you? What are you up to? What's going on? What are you, what are you doing these days that's not... I don't know, necessarily related to your artwork or school or whatever. What do you jam on? Are you, uh, do you, are you into shows? Are you into like books? Are you into gardening? Are you just <laughs> into napping like me? That's my, that's my jam these days. So. Your jam is naps. Yeah. Um, that is a good question. Uh, so I would say that if I'm not focusing on art stuff, I don't know what I'm doing in the sense that I actually don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm like spacing out. <laughs> Have you, do you think like, okay, so I can relate to that completely because for me, it's like a, I need this transitional period between things sometimes. And so if once I stop, if I'm not working on a project, I sometimes I'm like, what, what am I doing with myself? I don't even know what's going on. So is there some of that for you or, cause I also have to w be careful. Like, cause if I don't do something, if I don't figure out something to do, I get like depressed and stuff. So. Yeah. I, I'm that way as well. Um, it's, that's part of the reason why I like having structure to my days. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, right now it's kind of like a, like I'll get lost in these moments. And I think it's really like, a symptom of, of this, a larger symptom of the situation we're all in with a pandemic, right? Where sure. it's sort of like you're in your house, time is passing, but like where it went, you're not totally sure. Yeah. Um, it could have been on your phone. You know what? You know what that actually is now that I think about it is I think I'm t text messaging my friends a lot. Okay. That's where my friend, my time is going. Do you have, so... Do you have like text threads of like groups of friends or any, are you that type or like, I've never really been that type, but recently uh, some actually grad school friends, I have this group of two other friends from grad school and we'll just spontaneously like every couple of days explode with this, like, I don't know, something about school or something about what are you listening to or something about this? I don't, I don't know. I've never been really, to, is that what it's like for you or is it just individual friends? It is like that. It's usually now that since basically since COVID, it's been groups and um, 
it's some school friends, it's, you know, friends from the Bay Area, friends from undergrad, or like friends from from um, home, which is Oregon, Mm -hmm. my high school friends. Um, And so what happens also is, you know, you'll put your phone down and then you come back to it. And I'm sure you've experienced this and you have like 53 text messages. (laughs) You're like, what did I miss? What happened? Do you you feel like there's an art to responding to texts, especially maybe if it's in a group setting? Like I, uh, you know, if it's an individual, I'm like super punctual. I'm like, I don't leave leave them hanging. You know, what do they say these days? Left on red, right? Is that the? Mm-hmm. the I think so. <laughs> but I don't leave them left on red. But um, but I, but I, you know, but as a group, I'm willing to like just let the let it flow, and I don't need feel the urgency the same way I do when it's a a single person. I think that's true. You know, it's sort of like if something has happened and there are 53 text messages, it's a, <laughs> is a little awkward to like go back and cherry pick like what you want to talk about and bring it to yeah. the forefront of whatever the conversation is. Back back 25 messages ago, you said blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, wait, yeah, we, exactly. we're already done that. We already done that, Kara. It's like, move on, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've resolved this. So like, please talk about something new. That's cool. That's interesting. So let me take a pause real quick um, just to explain how this works. Um, I do like a roughly an hour I try to shoot for. If we don't hit an hour, then that's fine. If it's 20 minutes, if that's all we have to say is 20 minutes worth of stuff. That's cool. If, um, if you're on any kind of time constraint and we do get to that hour and I'm, I'll check in and be like, hey, can we go over a little if it feels like we have a little more to say? So cool. Does that all sound good? It sounds great to me. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me off the top? Not off the top of my head. No, okay, great. It's pretty straightforward. Well, if you think of any, feel free to throw them in here. We'll do that. No problem. Um, I wanted to. So. So you're spending time like texting is kind of the thing. I don't know. One of the things you're doing. I'm sure there's other things because. The one thing I wanted to ask as well is what I've been asking a lot of people is this idea of, you know, we're students, we're doing the hustle, we're trying to do the best we can, I'm, I'm sure, like, get the most out of it. Um, but then also, like you said already, that we're living during a pandemic, and there's a stress of that and just different ideas of that. So what is it that you do um, when you feel possibly overwhelmed with things or you feel like you need a break or... Like, what do you do to kind of reset? Do you have any kind of tr- rituals? Are you like a, a a meditative person? Are you a tea drinker? Are you a walk, go on walks kind of person? Or, or are you napper again like me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, let's see. When I need to reset, I think I need to go outside. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't have to be a long walk, although sometimes a hike is nice. Um, and I am in the Bay Area, and we do have a ton of places to hike that are really close. Um, campus, the I'm at Mills yeah. College, and the Mills College campus is gorgeous and sprawling. And so um, sometimes I'll go for a walk there. Um, but sometimes I'll just leave my apartment, go down to the street, find an excuse. Um, just having that little bit of air on my skin seems to do it for me. Um as, as a nice refresh, because I do find that I'm not outside every day, which is unusual, I think. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely feeling that too. Like I've been working real hard right now. I'm in the midst of this like 30 day workout challenge for myself. And like, so that's getting me outside to go on runs and stuff. But before I was like, I'd be like, I need to go outside, go for a walk, like 
do this. Like, it's not, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally at a, like I was doing really good. I felt like with this pandemic kind of situation, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, this, I'm just like feeling it more worse than ever in a sense. I don't know where are you. Yeah, it's almost been a year, right? Mm -hmm. So I can see why you might be struggling with it a little bit more. You know, we're kind of coming up on a collective anniversary. Um, and, um, but a 30 day workout challenge sounds exciting <laughs> and like a good way to push through that. Yeah. Trying. Especially if it's getting you outside. I, I just realized, I mean, so the honest truth is I, I do like videos and I make like YouTube videos and I was actually bought uh, this. I was making a, like an unboxing video for an easel I bought that's in the background. I don't know if you can kind of see it, but I, and I did the assembly and stuff and I was like, and I had the video and I looked at myself in the video and I was like, I do not, I'm not publishing this. I'm not satisfied with the way, <laughs> like my belly felt like it was like, I was like, I was like, no, no, not going. So I was like, all right, let's, Let's work out. Let's start working out. I need to do something. I'm like, I'm not okay with different, this. Different kind of mirror. Yeah, I know. Ugh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so Mill. So I don't know. Are you? Uh, have you? So I had Kelsey on on the podcast. Are are you familiar with Kelsey? Are you guys? Yeah, yeah. Um, so she is in the cohort below me. Okay. Um, but we have the the largest number you can have in a cohort at mills is 12 okay. and um because of the pandemic both of our cohorts are smaller than that i think that maybe there's like seven or something in theirs and, and nine in ours um so it's a pretty small group of people which means that yeah. i do get to um see kelsey every once in a while that, and okay that's get to know her the way you described that was the first time i've heard anybody uh, kind of describe their cohort in those ways where, and maybe this is something that I'm not familiar with. And maybe that's the, the traditional way where I've been calling the cohort all three, like ours is a three-year program. So my, I've been defining my cohort as everybody that's in school, regardless of what year they are. So is, so it sounds like you guys define, is that, is that what you're saying? She's a year below kind of, and then, yeah. and so do you, is that a tradition of the school or is that, a broader sense of what most schools normally define cohorts as do you know or what's that is an excellent question um i i never used the the word before i got to know <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah there's so so much about art that i've like praxis a term i never even heard before i got into art school like that's one i could think of. i'm sure there's like tons more but yeah no okay continue <laughs> but yeah i um I, so that's the way I use it is the way that, that people were using it when I got there. Mm. Um, and then also it's a way that our administration sort of refers to the arts administration refers to us and, and can divide us as the first year cohort and the second year oh, cohort. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so that because we have different responsibilities built in, um, so Ooh. they know who they're communicating to. Tell me about those responsibilities. About what? Like what? What are those responses? Uh, maybe they're the same for me and we just don't define them the same way, but I'm interested to hear like, what are the responsibilities of a second year cohort or? Yeah, so Mills I think is a little bit unique in that um, they do put, and maybe correct me if, if this is something that you, you all do too, um, but I think we're a little bit unique in that the students have 
responsibilities outside of their regular making art going to class responsibilities. Um, so the first year cohort is usually in a normal year that doesn't have a pandemic is responsible for putting on the um, open studios events. Um, and then um, the second years, we normally would put on a lecture series. Um, and then um, also um, we TA in our second year there. So um, that's an, an additional responsibility. And then um, also putting together our thesis show. So naming the show, coming up with the design sensibility, working with the museum in certain ways to um, bring the show about. So is Mills, is it a two-year program then? It is a two-year program, okay. yeah. Yeah, ours is three, so that makes a slight difference. But but yeah, just to respond to that idea, we don't, it's not as um, broken up by year like that. Like we do all the same, no, not all the same things. No, we don't, we don't have the responsibility of like putting on events. We can if we want. We have, I don't know if you have something like this at our school. I did my first year, we have this thing called, um, What's it called? I can't remember what it's called, but essentially it's this fund. It's like a student success fee grant or like student success fee fund that you as a student, you pay into and then that money can be uh, like applied to by students to put on events. And then so I put on an uh, I put on a uh, like a week long speakers event. You know, they came and, and it was during the, the early pandemic. So it got transitioned to zoom and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, so anyways, so there, there are things, but it doesn't seem to be as divided by a year like that. It's just kind of more random at our school. <laughs> like everybody is kind of like working together in it together and yeah. Um, more of like an opt-in situation. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that could be a way to look at it. And then with the TA situation, like they advise saying they kind of advise we have to take a class that allows us to TA. It's kind of like or a class that is our TA so that we can then teach. And that happens, they kind of advise it to happen at the end, but it makes no sense. You you kind of want to do it early so that you can teach <laughs> like later. So I did it early, but it's, so it's just like, you just, it's pretty random. It's pretty random, but it's interesting to hear. No, definitely. I mean, that's a big part of this conversation is to hear the different kind of philosophies and ways that um, schools do it, so. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, it's nice, nice to hear the differences too. And I, um, I wasn't looking for um, schools in Southern California. So I didn't really look into the programs and how they're structured. Um, so it's interesting to hear what you're going through and your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Are you as well, just a, another curiosity, oh, well, this whole podcast is a curiosity question, but um, are you quarter or semester? We're semester. Okay. Yeah. So are we? Yeah. Okay. What is, so here's, um, let's, let's find out what, who you are as an artist real quick. Like when somebody asks you, when you're talking about like this conversation we're having about being a grad student or whatever, or being an artist, what do you, how do you define yourself? How do you respond to them? And do you have more than one way to answer the question, depending on who you're talking to and what are those different responses? Yeah. Um, I think I am working on an elevator pitch 
to like be able to be like my work is about blah so i'll try that out on you yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh yeah i i think i try to gauge my audience um and where they're coming from when i answer that question mm. um i think people don't i think people if someone isn't familiar with art um they or how it gets made maybe they want you to say like i'm a painter i'm mm. a photographer and don't expect you to be all of the things um and i tend to work in a way that i try to work with what's best for my idea mm-hmm. um so i guess um what i'm doing right now and what i'm focusing on for my thesis um is um I'm stumbling. No, it's all good. <laughs> My elevator pitch is not going well. Um, it, this is non-graded here. We're not graded. <laughs> so my work is sort of examining uh, the history and present day um, archetype of the witch mm. and um, where that fits in with power structures and um, how it's used to take um, power away. Um, and it, it's also, um, doing some repair, um, work along um, with that archetype, um, trying to bring power back and trying to process intergenerational, uh, stress. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to do it. Do, do you think that, okay. I get, I think I understand what you mean by using like terminology of the, witch is being like, it could give or take power depending on how you're using it right so do you Mm -hmm. feel like do you feel like how the term witch is used within like uh the harry potter universe has been giving power back to the witch so i first of all want to say i've only read the first book okay um (laughs) i have seen all the movies a bunch of times um so uh you're not you're not you're not a potter nerd like i am I've read all the books. I've watched all the movies multiple times. I'm crazy. I'm in. I I claim that I am in um, uh, Gryffindor. I'm a Gryffindor for sure. Oh, you're a Gryffindor. Yeah. I've been told that I'm a Hufflepuff. <laughs> to, I, there could be a case that I'm a Hufflepuff as well. I, that could totally be plausible. However, the Sorting Hat allows you to choose your house as well. There is an element of what you want in it, so you don't have to be however you feel about it you don't have to be that <laughs> so you're you're gonna go with if you're on the fence you're gonna go with Gryffindor yeah <laughs> um I'd say probably you know I think that um it doesn't work with a lot of the normal archetypes of the witch that I'm thinking about mm. um but uh but I think Hermione in a lot of ways does a good job of of bringing power back and and being a like really like powerful female force yeah 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 that's essentially what i was getting at because you know where i i guess historically i'm used to some when you refer to somebody as a witch i personally um kind of the negative connotation hits me first you know uh so so that when like in harry potter you know like a lot of our heroines are defined as witches so it's like well that's a good you were rooting for that person so it starts to like change this kind of 
thought process around potential thought process around what a witch is and what it means and and like I had I do have a little bit of like of like that kind of Wiccan like knowledge you know beyond just the pop cultural versions of what witches are like the the kind of yeah different so I'm I can't I I would I would I don't feel like I could have a very good conversation with you about like I wouldn't say I'm like on the level you're probably at with it <laughs> but like I I feel like I know a little bit more than the average Joe <laughs> let's put it that way that's cool <laughs> yeah no I mean and I I think I'm kind of coming at this as like uh where where it stems from it, it stems from two places um and the um kind of like a historical place and a research place first of um like I started reading about the Salem witch trials because I saw a book I was interested in and then I was like well what this isn't like necessarily explain why any of this happened in the first place so I just kept going further and further and further back um and figuring out you know why why witches were heretics the types of of women that were being um tried um and and really figuring out that like this was a tactic that people were using to to change the dynamics of the areas that they were in um and then also um you know realizing that a lot of the things that i just kind of grew up doing like lighting a candle to change the mood of a room or um you know having certain rocks around or um you know salting creating a salt ring around the house um, were things that might be considered more witchy and that like I could be tried for <laughs> um, at a different point in time. And yeah. so I did feel a personal connection and started investigating that personal connection and, and really looking at how, how the things that came about, you know, in, in the 1500s really still play a role now in the way we speak about women mm -hmm. yeah yeah well, it's heavy I, I know yeah no i mean <laughs> it's the, the so when i okay i'm just gonna try to jump into some of this a little bit um when i think about like we, you referenced like the the witch trials like salem witch trials and and a lot of that from my perspective came to like like people that were afraid of ideas and and wanted to uh, you know ex exert their power over a situation and so they labeled certain things like witches or whatever and burned them or whatever like killed people because of it and stuff and i'm just wondering like from that lens have you do you think about it from that lens like you you you, you saying like there's things that you do that are kind of could be representative of like what would be persecuted at a different time. But then do you see things today that are getting like modern day, like witch hunts in a sense, is there any correlation to that with your work? Like, or is it, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, I think that's something that I'm still examining. Mm. And I really also want to note that um, I am looking at this from a very specific um, perspective of, of this like America that I live in this mm -hmm. like West coast America that I've always lived in mm -hmm. trying to expand that of course. 
Um, but it is my perspective um, and where I'm at. So, um, you know, I see things like um, somebody uh, speaks up and people don't believe them or um, if there's actually um, a lot of posts on the internet of people calling Nancy Pelosi a witch um, that are interesting, like however you feel about her politics. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just kind of an interesting association to see a woman in power um, and then have people still refer to her as a witch. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see it there. Um, And um, it's, I think it also has some associations with people swapping out the word witch and bitch mm-hmm. you know when somebody calls someone a bitch on the street like what does that mean mm-hmm. um, so what's the conversation that you so you're investigating this idea what do you have a hope like what do you hope that people will like question in your work is just that same thing like why are we using these terms or how you know yeah i think it's it's um I'm hoping that I can put enough references in my work that people will kind of question it and where they, where it lives in their lives and their perception of these, of this archetype and this character. Um, at, at some point, you know, the witch did switch over to becoming this like playful thing that we dress up as Halloween and it's all okay. And, you know, the sexy witch and the glitter and all of that, which I, I think is, fun and playful and great too. Um, And I don't want that to go away either. So um, my work tries to like really walk this line of Mm. like um, history and referencing the darkness, but what's grown out of it? What do we still have? Um, What are these um, moments of healing that we need to, to focus on and, um, and, and what are the playful aspects of, of this that we can really enjoy? Okay, we could come back to this if it if it makes sense when uh, we, as we continue the conversation. I want to sure. jump. I want to jump into uh, just some of the MFA stuff real quick. Um, like how, like basically, the first question I usually ask is how, why did you want to get your MFA and why did you choose Mills for it? Like, what can you talk on that a little bit? Sure. Um, so, I, <laughs> I, I love school. I love, I went to art school. I went to CCA for undergrad, California College of the Arts. Um, I studied painting and drawing there. And, um, you know, it was difficult and I loved every moment of it because I love structure. Um, But I didn't feel that I could do more school after that, partly because of loans um, and partly because I just wasn't sure what to do with the degree. And so I waited 10 years to go back to school, um, even though I was kind of like wanting to the whole time. And then I got laid off (laughs) and I was like, okay, like maybe this is the time. Um, Maybe the time is now. So I uh, started looking into mills because um, I'd known quite a few people who had gone there and, um, and seen their work before and seen it change and, and see them as artists after. And um, I really liked the transitions that they had gone through. And um, 
So, and the way, the way that their art had developed um, and the way that they had developed as artists. So I thought like, maybe this is the school for me. And it's also in the town where I live um, in Oakland and I wanted to stay. So, so that was great too. Um, it's also a women's college and um, the, the programs, the graduate programs are, are mixed um, and the undergraduate is um, women and non-binary. So um, that had some appeal to it, I think. Just as like a different feeling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so you you get to experience the program both, well, it seems mostly through the pandemic lens, but a little bit out of it, you know, your first semester and then a little bit was, you know, in kind of more of a normal setting. Um, so there is some broader sense of experience with it. What do you take away at this moment, like as kind of your best experience um, in as a grad student? Like, is there something that happened specifically because you're a student or maybe something that's happened even sideline in your life that has been amazing? But what has been the best kind of moment of these last couple of years for you? Um, I have two answers to that. So I, uh, school wise, since this is the MFA Chronicles podcast, um, I, you know, people are so important to me and, um, it's been really lovely getting to know a whole group of people and to get close with them and to create with them. It's just a special time. And so unusual that you just get to like focus on making work, but then have people to interact with while doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the projects we've had in classes have also been really silly and like encouraged us to interact and in these funny, like more performative ways um, together as a group. And I really enjoyed that aspect of school um, pre-pandemic, but then also there's been some like weird Zoom things and, and things that people have been trying to do. Um, so that's been good. Um, and then um, just personally this summer, I got married. So um. there you go. <laughs> Congratulations. That's amazing. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. Also over Zoom. Uh, <laughs> like... <laughs> Not I mean, like your guests, I assume, were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, our guests over Zoom, we but, had our officiant and a, and a couple people there. But, um, you know, we, we didn't want anybody to travel. Um, we wanted to keep it really safe. So. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you still you must still be. When was that? Com like we're we're in February right now. When was that? That was in August. August. So, OK. August, like half a year, a little more than half a year. I think I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, uh, six months on the eighth. So, congrats again. That's amazing. So Thank that you. that see that opens up. See this that opens up a whole bunch of more questions I can ask you. <laughs> but but you're I imagine. So are you still are you still in that kind of? I, I guess you know since I don't. How do I ask this question? I'm assuming you're still in kind of like the new newlywed high in a lot of ways. But I'm wondering, do you feel like, is that at all kind of, I don't know, tainted is not the right way to say it, but I'm assuming, <laughs> I can't think of any other way to say it. But because of the pandemic, does it feel like a little, like, you're like, ah, oh, man, is it, are you, are you frustrated because, or is it just like, you know what, this is more important than even the pandemic, the fact that we did this and got married or. 
Yeah, you know, we thought about postponing it, um, but we had such a, we'd picked such a good date, like 8-8-2020, and we were like, we can't give it up. Like, that's yeah. lucky. Yeah. We can't give it up. Um, and, and we weren't going to let everything in our lives be stopped. Yeah. Um, so now that we are like, we got a lot of questions, like, how's married life? And we'd be kind of like, well, you know, we're, we got married and then we were like sitting here. Mm-hmm. on the couch <laughs> yeah. um and so it's kind of become like a joke mm-hmm. um but it's still i think it's still fun you know like yeah. it's it's yeah. definitely some sort of mental transition even though there's nothing really physically that happened that was that different yeah what um, are, do you guys plan on like the honeymoon for when i'm gonna give you depending on how you answer this i, I want to just give you an unsolicited advice about oh please yeah <laughs> but but do you plan on a honeymoon action we took a little trip okay uh, we went like up the coast to fort bragg um for a weekend which actually was pretty stressful mm-hmm. um i know that there's been a lot of people who've been driving a lot and staying at airbnbs through covid but um it was not something that i felt that comfortable doing mm-hmm. um we went on an accidental nine mile hike um <laughs> that sounds like you lost your way (laughs) there was a detour and we did not check the map um but um but we haven't really talked about anything beyond that i think we're just kind of waiting to see what happens okay well then i'm gonna give you my advice you could take it you can be like whatever zim i don't care about you (laughs) but um so i was i was married not anymore but you know we didn't really do an official honeymoon, and it's one of the biggest regrets of my marriage kind of thing. So, you know, make that time. Do it. It's like equivalent to, I don't know, maybe you don't feel the same way, but it's like one of those benchmark moments that, like, you know, I don't know, some people decide not to go to their senior prom, and it's like you sometimes you look back on it, and you're like, why didn't I do that? Like, why didn't I make that effort to do that? So it's like one of those things. I think it's... I think it's the benefits of doing it outweigh the the anything that you could think of that won't. So I don't know. That's just my take. You know, take it or leave it. Whatever. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I think that um, I think that's good advice. Yeah. Probably right. Yeah. Um, it's, like, it's the best advice. I only <laughs> focus on your relationship. Yeah. Take a vacation. <laughs> that's not not good advice. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So congrats. Oh man, that's so awesome. I'm I'm gonna sprinkle in. Probably more questions about how being married has um, kind of affected you and your work and what's been how you've been thinking about things as we go. Sure. Um, but let's uh, let me ask. Let me. I'm going to wrap up this uh, MFA portion. You're getting. I have like more questions I want to ask about other things that I haven't asked anybody. So I'm like changing the direction of the podcast in a way. But so I'm like giving this MFA stuff like less time than normal. <laughs> like sometimes it could take up like the whole podcast is just like the MFA. But um, the, the last piece that w- intentionally talk about is the like, this is where I consider like the advicey part that you could give of like what has been either from like the flip side of that first, that first question of the best part, like what's the worst part? And like in in the sense, I like to frame it, I like to give some kind of like lead into it. Like it could be, you know, kind of uh, whatever it may be. Maybe it's because of the pandemic, you could use that if you want, or maybe it's because of, of you know, something about the school that you're like, mm, I didn't realize 
this is the way this was. I, I kind of thought it was going to be different. I wish I had more access to this thing, but or that, or it could be like you know, the financial part, or you know where you live and the driving, or it could even be a piece of advice that you got that you followed that you just want to make sure you pass on to the next person. So in that realm of ideas, like what could you tell us about your experience that you want to make sure people know when they consider this process of MFA, you know, adventures? Yeah. Um, I think the best two pieces of advice is that I got were remember that it's a school and not a company and that you are going to like probably encounter some weird administrative hiccups and to just take those lightly and not get too frustrated. Um, I could have used that advice. <laughs> but, and then, yeah. but it's also funny. Like, oh, go ahead. It's funny that that's almost like companies have that same problem. So it's, it's interesting. But yeah, okay. Anyways, they do. But there's this weird thing with like, there's a there's some difference between a company and a school where we shouldn't feel this way, but I think a lot of people definitely do where it's like, if it's a company, we feel like they owe us some sort of level of service. And with schools, even though they should owe us a level of service, we don't expect that from them. Okay, so you're talking about as a, like a, a not as an employee of the company, but as a customer of the company. Yeah. Okay, cause yeah. I was framing it as like, as an employee, like, so I feel like I'm an employee of the school. I'm an employee of the company, but I'm the customer. Okay, I get what you're saying. So that makes how do sense. you how do you mean you're an employee of the school? Like, what's that framework? What's that mind well, like? Just in the sense that it feels the same way. Like I've been in a business. You know, I I took a long break from school, so you know, going into the school, the some of the same kind of political stuff that I was involved with in a company is like, so it feels like I'm, I'm a part, I'm a, I'm a work, I'm a employee of this entity versus a customer of the entity. That's what it feels like. So that's how my frame, my mind was framed when you said that. I think there's some of that too, of sort of like, you know, remembering to be a little bit like professional and yeah. you're going to encounter some of the weird interpersonal <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was kind of framing it as like, you know, there are times when you're going to need to contact financial aid and they're not going to get back to you as fast as they should. And you're going to have to like follow up and pursue them. And it's going to be really annoying yeah. <laughs> on top of your schoolwork. Yeah. So. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, so with, with um, San Diego state, you know, like the college of, art and design, you know, and then there's the universe, the big university. And like, so I guess when I, when I'm inside the college of art and design, it feels like I'm an employee of it versus when I'm asking financial aid for support, it feels like I am a customer of it. So it's like, there's like both things going on. At yeah. The same time. Yeah. It sounds like you've got it from both sides. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then you said you had a second. Yeah. Idea. The second piece of advice is um, like, fully understanding and this is some like a good question to ask whoever you're, you're speaking to about like potentially coming but like fully understanding what it takes to get the degree like what are the expectations are you is there going to be a lot of writing involved mm -hmm. is there going to be just a show like mm -hmm. you know a, sh a, a writing a thesis and a thesis show 
are there other expectations like Mills has? Like what, um, what's the full scope of graduating from, from your program look like? Was there anything in that realm? So like, that's a good thing to understand. Like so far it's been pretty consistent. I feel like a lot of students, especially first years and early students kind of underestimated the amount of writing there would be. And, and really, and I did the same thing kind of, um, and so, and like, I kind of, I might, maybe you can answer, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out an idea and then maybe you can respond back with how you feel about it. Like I'm at the place where I feel like graduate school for art is more about thinking about like, it's a place to think about why you make what you make versus actually making anything. And so I don't know, that's just kind of how it'd be. So you're going to be writing, you're going to be doing stuff like that. Is that, a, um, kind of experience that you had or how was your experience with Mills in terms of the the balance between thought of your process and actually making things? I think it's about 50-50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to be able to back things up and justify and um, really think and explain and speak critically about what you're doing. Um, and if you're making something just to make it, you have to be able to explain that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- it is a process of like figuring out what you're making. Like they don't expect you to just jump in and know what you're doing. Um, they actually like kind of discourage that where they like stop you from doing what you were doing before. Kind of like, it's like this breakdown process where you completely stop it and then you kind of rebuild and come out the other end, maybe doing something different, maybe stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but along that way, there's so much writing and so much speaking about what are you doing. Um, and um, that is something that I wasn't quite expecting mm-hmm. from that I'd have to put into writing, I'll mm-hmm. say. Yeah. I was expecting to have to do it, but I wasn't expecting to have to write about it. Yeah, I understand that. I So I went in... I guess I went in with the expectation and hope of understanding that defending kind of essentially defending your art through language was going to be important. I understood that. I just didn't realize how much reading was going to be involved in that. (laughs) But, uh, but, but part of my philosophy around that is, you know, going to art school in a university, I feel like, because you're in this umbrella of the university, which is about thought and which is about, you know, that kind of thing and, and um, research and all those kind of things. It's like you're choosing to go to art school in this type of setting versus just a pure art school. That's all you do is art school, which could possibly have a different angle on it. Like maybe you don't have to research or you don't have to defend yourself as much. It's more about making, I don't know, maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't know, but I what I feel definitely in the university setting you do you should be able to so it's like you should know that I don't know I feel like you should know that going in but do you have any similar philosophy like that or um I don't know if it's a philosophy but um I think it's a even though I wasn't expecting it I'm seeing it now as a strength Mm -hmm. um and you know um as artists we really are expected to be able to make the work document the work, talk about the work, Mm -hmm. write about the work, um, you know, apply for things. And without, if you're missing any one of those pieces, 
you're not going to be as successful. Mm -hmm. Remember that word successful. We're going to <laughs> whatever, whatever success <laughs> means to you. Well, that's what I'm going to ask you about in a minute. But first, before we jump into that, that'll be the next thing. But um, what, you know, we'll come back, we'll, we'll call back to your getting married, but also we could just pile it into the, the, the bucket of pandemic and just the year and what's been going on, changes in the world, um, all this stuff. What, what do you feel like maybe during your two years, or let's, let's keep it to the pandemic, like the last year, because that includes your getting married. Within the last year, if it's the pandemic or getting married, what of those things has affected you or your art the the most or at all has anything over the last year affected your your direction you've been taking your artwork and what was what were those things and was it related to your pandemic the pandemic or being married or or were you just like no i'm on this train i have this thought it's a two-year program i need to get this done this pandemic's not going to detract me getting married is not going to distract me <laughs> i already got it like where, where are you at with those um so i uh oof. um I think that the pandemic did change my work. Um, and um, it started with um, staying inside and, and reading this book that I then, that then kind of shifted the direction of my work. Um, and, you know, I was also, um, I was also tying a lot of knots before to sort of work through stress. Um, but I wasn't quite sure how to put words to that yet. Um, and I changed that direction and started to materials are another th thing that's really important to me. I'm a collector. I collect things to make with. Um, I started to deconstruct things like sweaters, which takes a lot of time, which I probably would not have been doing had I not just been sitting on the couch. Um, and then, uh, I taught myself how to crochet doilies. Um, and sort of making doilies out of the materials that I had deconstructed. Um, and I don't think that would have, I would have come anywhere near that had I had been able to go outside. Yeah. What, uh, real quick, what's a doily? <laughs> <laughs> a doily is, uh, there are, they are those um, little things that are, they like sit under a vase okay. yeah, on yeah. a table to protect the tabletop. Yeah. Okay. They protect furniture. Your grandmother probably had them. Yeah, we have. I have some. My mom makes them sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> do you do you want to tell us? You said you mentioned a book that you said you read that kind of changed your perspective. What is? Kate, do you want to share that or? Yeah. Um. It's called uh, "In the Devil's Snare." Okay. Um. And the subtitle is The Salem Witchcraft Crisis of 1692, and it's by Mary Beth Norton. And um, the reason that I like it is because um, it is like a solid history book, um, but it does read a little bit more like a story, which is helpful when you're trying to get through like mountains of facts. Um, and she also um, does something that um, a lot of historians hadn't done about the subject before, where she looks at the interconnectedness of the community before the witch trials mm -hmm. um, to see not just who had beef, but like what their personal history was before um, and like where they were coming from, how they had interacted and um, 
you know, in, and the web that it created of accusations. Okay. I want to jump into that, what we teased a moment ago about success. Um, cause something I spend a lot of time thinking about, and I wanted to ask you kind of, how do you define success? But I want to frame it within, I think three different things, and maybe we can go down each thing. And it's like, what would you, how would you feel successful? Like, at the end of your MFA and you're getting close to the end of it, like what would make you feel like you were, it was a success for you. And then well, after that, possibly just your art career as in general, what would make you feel success in you as an artist? And then just personally, like how do you feel success that you're doing a good job being a person, I suppose, or what your kind of grander goals would be. So let's jump back to the first one, the MFA, what would make you feel successful? Like you, you were successful in this process. Yes. Okay. Um, so if I can, um, <laughs> if I can complete, if I can get to the, the MFA thesis show and install it and have, um, right now I have kind of like shapes, general shapes in mind that I want to install there. <laughs> and if I can fill those voids in my head with some sort of work, <laughs> I will be happy. <laughs> Um, because I do feel like the experience so far has been a, a big success for me. Yeah. So just sort of like getting there. So I would be enough. I noticed on your bio, on your website, you you actually mention I don't have it written down, but the phrase, the last line or something was like work that fit. Basically, it says something along the lines of maybe you know it better than I do. Fits um, you know, gallery settings or non-gallery said like you gave some options to your work and how it fit so now that you described like these you have these shapes or these kind of like voids of in your head about ideas that you want to put in them where's those shape where do they live do they live are you seeing them in like does the campus is like are you focusing the show on like a campus gallery setting or are you focusing on something else different or how does that work so um, we have our final thesis show in the Mills Museum, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous museum, um, beautiful open space. Um, you know, I think it's like 100 years old um, with original floor, wood floors and stuff like that. Um, so uh, that's where it'll be. Um, as far as my personal work, though, um, I, I really love things I, I like the idea of galleries i like the idea of experiencing work in white walls mm -hmm. but i also really love house shows mm. and like and going into somebody's house and seeing work installed or like seeing a weird installation or you know how it interacts with like objects things um i think that stuff is really interesting do you, mm -hmm. do you feel like you're so you're influence maybe as a graduate or the people the influence of the people around you how would you define how they like the the uh how they where they their intentions or thoughts around galleries versus house shows versus out other settings like where do you, do you feel like there's a general vibe of like encouragement to think about artwork in certain settings Cause I do, I mean, I'll just, I'll throw it out there. Like my influence is heavily, I wouldn't say anti-gallery, but they're just pro 
think outside of the gallery. They're like, what can you make that doesn't involve a gallery? It's very strong in my influence right now. So I'm curious to hear if you have some of that same or different kind of influence. Interesting. Is that, can I ask a question? Yeah. Is that coming from your peers or is it coming from um, your, your professors? I'd say both, but definitely the professors as, you know, two of my main and most influential professors right now are like, don't even, they're just, it's like, why are you, you don't need to think about gallery. Like how, take this work out of the gallery. How do you, you know, like very strong of like, how can you take work out of the gallery? There's, there's a, the, our program right now anyway, has a somewhat is influenced by like social practice as well. Like there's that aspect of what's going on. So there's just like a lot of elements playing into that, but yeah. Yeah. I would say um, it's kind of, what fits the work best mm -hmm. so um but then that that can become kind of a chicken and an egg thing though because if the work i mean if you're making the work in a vacuum and you're not thinking about the audience it's like you kind of have to consider the audience i don't know it's hard I, i'm i'm struggling with that myself it's like do you make you know it's going to be put here so you're like thinking well i could do it like this but then it's like well if you know, i don't know do you know what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, I think it's sort of a, it's more of a like, okay, so we're, you're, you're making this work, you're making this work, it's in a vacuum, and then you have to make a choice mm -hmm. at some point, which direction are you going to go with it? Is it become going to become a walking tour with a map? Yeah. Or is it going to become a video? Yeah. Like, where is it going to go? And you have options for both of those things, but they are very specific, and it's up to you to choose. I mean, just having this conversation with you, I've, and the kind of some of my recent, like about three months ago, I was like super pro gallery. Like I want to show my, cause I was making like, I don't know if you can tell, I have stuff hanging behind me yeah. and it's like, I have this installation type of work. And then, but just in the last like three weeks, I had gotten this new kind of inspiration to like think of my work outside of that setting more. And I'm like, and so just just in this last hour of talking with you, I'm I'm thinking like, I'd really like it if my thesis show just was not in a gallery. Like it was not even I did not set up work in a gallery. That's kind of where I'm at right now. But anyways, yeah, I'm pro that. You know, is if it if it's a unless it's a requirement of your program. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's great, and I don't want this the art world's in in quotes to be this monolith where yeah. we all have to be gunning for these spaces that look exactly the same mm -hmm. like i think that as much diversity in sh spaces of showing work as possible is the best way to go mm -hmm. so outside so that's the goal of the grad school that's the that w would make you feel success like i guess this is a you can layer this question on like, you know, when you graduate and you're done and what's your kind of goal, but also in the lens of success, like with your art or, or whatever, like, what is the, what, what do you see as a success once you're done this grad program and, and, and you're moving on with your work or your life? Yeah. Uh, so beyond like a roof, over my head and food, um, which I do, I do consider <laughs> successful if that's happening at all. Um, I think that uh, success looks like um, a healthy work-life -like balance 
Um, and it looks like continuing to make artwork long-term. So, you know, for the next 40 years, mm-hmm. um, which means con- keeping myself healthy in order to do that. Um, and then also, um, I'd really love to teach mm. art. Um, and, you know, I'd like to teach either at a community college or at a, like, eventually, uh, like, a have a nice position at a four-year university. Yeah. yeah i was on that fence for a while i'm not really there maybe i'll come back to it but you know there was i had this i've told people that i would feel successful i would feel good about myself if like i could say i'm a professor at a university like i would feel like i did something with my life you know (laughs) (laughs) that would be but what it takes to get there i'm just kind of like i'm not so excited about that process you know yeah yeah i think it's more of like you know i just um i love the collegiate environment Mm -hmm. and i have been in positions before where i've gotten to interact with students a lot and um through like training i've done a lot of like um curriculum development or training through um companies and I think I'm kind of just good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll admit it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I enjoy it. So I is might as well do something that I enjoy in a field that I yeah. really love. So. Well, that's that's I say that often. That's why I'm in grad school right now with for art because I just know I'm good at it. So I'm just like, <laughs> let's let's double down on what I'm good at and see where it takes me. You know, it's like let's go. Yeah. yeah. I, I get it. I get it. So let's say maybe if there's a way to. So, okay, is your own personal definition of, like, greater success tied to your artwork? Or if artwork was removed from the equation, what would make you feel like you're a successful successful person just in general? Like, I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of us creatives get really hyper-focused on wanting success in the thing they're creating or they're doing that they, they get tied that if it, that doesn't happen, they have a really hard time finding their value in themselves or whatever. Yeah. I, that's such a struggle too. I, I started making artwork. I started drawing and painting, not because I wanted to, but because I needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so ingrained in my life. Um, making in some way is so ingrained in my life that um, I'm not sure I could separate it at mm-hmm. this point. Like if you were to take everything away, I would probably draw in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I, I try to I I try to set benchmarks so that I can be successful in that field. Mm-hmm. But if ultimately those fail and I just end up making artwork that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Um, so we are at an hour, but I have a few more questions. Are we good? Okay. Yeah, we're good. Okay, cool. Um, I want to jump into this kind of same kind of abstract concept like success. I want to talk about support and I want to see some, you know, I want to see how you felt supported as an artist. Have you ever been confronted? Like, I think, I think it's could be pretty commonly understood that sometimes artists and creatives get you know 
there's that perception of like, why would you want to do that? Like, how do you make money at it? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? You know, so I'm, I'm curious if you've ran into any of that and or if, or if that hasn't happened, like who's been your biggest support or how have you found support for what you're doing to help you keep going and what like what? So let's start there. Let's see what you respond to that. Sure. Um, I think that that's really only happened once. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I my my grandfather was really supportive of me going to art school. And then once I graduated, he was like, OK, so now you're going to go to school for education. And I was like, what? Um, but um, then he never asked me about it again. Um, so I've been very lucky to have everyone in my life that I know of support me in this way. Um, and if I, either that or they just haven't said anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I could, yeah, that's interesting. But hopefully you could suss that out as, as time goes on. Like it's not as <laughs> yeah. much of a question. No, I get it. So with that in mind, so this is a good, the follow-up to that is, is kind of good to address that to see where the actual support may lie. So like when, if you could, pinpoint support like being a creative person like we've talked about wanting to have gallery shows and those kind of things or whatever it may be like with your creative endeavors and you say you say like if you could ask specifically for a certain type of support what is on the top of those lists like if you have a gallery show do you want to make sure everybody you know actually comes to see it or if you're posting something online to share or do you want people to say like no make sure you're sharing this this event with everybody you know, like, so that other people will come, not just the people I know, or like, like, do you have like, is there things like, maybe you could see is like, this is what I really want from the people that I'm, I'm wanting support from. Um, if you are even able to say that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's always nice when people show up for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a two way street. You yeah. got to show up for them too. This is true. And <laughs> so I think that, um, it's really nice when the people that I have shown up for show up for me in the same way or communicate that they can't for mm -hmm. whatever reason, which is okay too. Um, and that's the type of support I look for, I think. Um, you know, um, I, I don't feel as supported by things like likes on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is okay, you know, um, uh, it's still, it's still something that we need and use as a tool. Like the more likes you get, the more things show up and, and that's mm. still great. Um, but, um, followers, you know... followers, we want followers. We don't want <laughs> likes. We want followers. Follow my account. Don't like my stuff. Follow my account. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you know, um, yeah, I like when people show up. And I think also that has to do with like being an extrovert and mm. wanting to see people's space and wanting to like really engage with people about my work. Um, mm. I appreciate when people put in the energy to look and think about it or just enjoy it. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, I've been a, so I've been a musician for a long time as well. And one of the worst things and you it, be, it becomes white noise after a while, but so many so many people say they're gonna come to a show and never show up and it's like why did you even say just be honest <laughs> so so i was always like i was always like you know i'm probably not gonna make it <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna make it 
you know, I might, but I'm probably not, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Cause you know, the hope is that you just have so many that yeah. people are like, eh, and they stop going. Right. Yeah. Um, but, uh, or that they can't make it to everyone. So, um, communicating that is always nice. Like, yeah. you know, I can't make it for whatever reason. I, I always appreciate that. <laughs> where in some changing gears a little, where in your life or in your process, in your evolution as an artist, where do you feel like you learn the most about being an artist and how has it influenced your uh, practice? Um, do you mean being an artist as in creating or being an artist as in professionally? Any way you want to take it, to be honest. Because okay. I will frame it like this. Like sometimes a conversation you had with a middle school teacher could have really impacted the, your viewpoint on everything. Or it could be something right now within the last year in your MFA program of you made a piece of work or somebody, another cohort member said something or did something or you saw something that, you know, it could be anything. So, yeah, um, my high school teacher basically told me that I had to go to art school. And it changed the whole trajectory of my life. Um, so that was a pretty big deal. Um, and I don't know what he saw. I never asked um, why. Um, it, but, uh, you know, I believed him for whatever reason and only applied to art school. Okay. And you said, um, you said that was an art teacher or was it just a... Yeah, yeah, it was an art teacher um, in, in high school. Um, and then I think just my undergrad experience of focusing mainly on drawing and um, having an experience where um, that focused a lot on the fundamentals of, of that medium gave me a really good foundation for moving forward and creating things. So like understanding what makes a good composition I can still apply to a sculpture or an installation. Um, and that is huge for me because if I get stuck, I can always go back to that, that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Cool. Is there anything, I think we're pretty much got it. I'm, I have like one last question and then we'll wrap, we'll kind of bring it home. But um, the last, just the last question is basically like a, a platform for you to say what, really whatever you want. And I, I, I frame it in the sense of like, do you have any kind of like personal kind of, I don't know, mantras or um, kind of like advice that you kind of fall back on for yourself just generally that helps you in any way that you could pass on um, to anyone, to us, sure. to me, to me, like, like what would yeah. you, what would you tell? I'm like, I'm struggling. <laughs> I love, love, love this question yeah. because it's so topical right now. Okay. Okay. Um, sure. I have two things that are written down that are in front of me um, and I don't know where they came from. So I wish I could give the person, the people credit. Um, the first one is I have a tiny little sticky note that's right by my Zoom camera that says show up. Mm -hmm. And basically that's reminding me to like in this like time of Zoom to like continue to show up for the people and my classmates on zoom and for yourself for myself yeah, right yeah. um 
And then I also have one written here on the little drawing that says, nothing is missing. Look around you and give it form. Mm -hmm. um, and that reminds me to like stop looking and start making, mm -hmm. um, which is really important for me because I do start my, a lot of my making process with a research process. Mm -hmm. That also, I also, I'm, I'm interpreting that as well as like this idea, there's no wrong answers, you know? Yeah. Nothing's missing. It's like a lot, I struggle with this. This is, I struggle big time with like that kind of like feeling like the grass is greener, you know, kind of idea. Like somebody else has got it better than I do, but it's like, no, you have, your life is perfect. Just live it, you know, in a way, you know? Yeah, or like, and along those lines of like, oh, well, I'd really, if I only had X type of paper, yeah. this project, I could start this project, you know, when it's really like, just, just go and see what happens. Just, just move, just like, stop thinking of other people, like you're saying, and, and, and dive in. Um, so those are my, those are my two awesome. mantras those right are, now. Those are great. Those are great. Thank you for that. Okay, I'm going to. We're gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna do, we have a little bit of administrative stuff to answer after the recording stops, so don't hang up. But um, thank you so much for hanging out and talking with me. This was awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. You're welcome. And I, I do also wanna say, you know, hopefully down the line, we could come back and revisit like a year from now or whenever. I hope, my one of my goals, I love podcasting, so I'm hoping that I will continue this kind of thing for a long time so we can revisit, see where you're at, see where these success, how, how, how these success things worked out down the line. Um, and then also maybe, you know, when the pandemic's over, we can meet and check out some art or get some coffee or whatever, or just kind of hang out. <laughs> Both of those things would be great. That'd be awesome. All right, cool. I'm going to stop the recording once again. Thank you very much. This was awesome. All right, we made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much. This is what I call Credit Reel. This is where I give a shout out to all the Patreon supporters of everything The Zim. So if you want to support this podcast and, and everything, then hit it up. It's patreon.com slash The Zim. I got some tier level in, you know incentives over there uh, that you can, I'll make you something or whatever. And there's also the possibility of, you know, if, if you know me and you know like something I do and you're like, Zim, would you do this for me? I'll become a Patreon supporter if you did this for me and then we can work it out. And it's like, sure, let's do it. Or you could just be like straight up, I already dig on everything you're doing. What you're doing already is providing me enough. I will just give you money and you, to help you go after your dreams, goals and dreams. And I'll be like, thanks, you're amazing. So this is one of those places where I give thanks to everybody that's a current Patreon supporter. It's called Credit Reel. And um, yeah, so it's Rowan Chamberlain, Michael Knapp, and Matthew Bacher are my current Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much. Um, hopefully we can grow this thing. Hopefully we can build it so there's more of you to help me create this life I hope to live. <laughs> like I like to say, I'm trying to create a job versus get a job. So I would love this podcast and these types of things to um, be part of that creating a job. Cool. That's it. I think that's it. I don't know what else to say. Check out mfachronicles.com if you want to learn more about the podcast. As I said in the beginning, it's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. What else? Uh, and that's it, I guess. All right. Until next time, be loving, kind, and patient. Peace.